eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And welcome to another edition of the Michigan Recruiting Insider. This is episode 10. And as we've been saying, you guys are the reason this podcast is growing like wildfire. We really appreciate the support and encourage you that if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. Be sure to rate and review this podcast wherever you get it. Uh, That way, we can keep it growing like it has been thus far with my guys, my crew, my family from over at themichiganinsider.com, Bryce Marich and Steve Lorenz. Guys, how are you today? Good, good. Another summer weekend. Things are heating up, literally, and uh, now it's been good. Bryce? Hope you guys are well. Yeah, Bryce, how you doing, man? Staying busy. You know, Doing a lot of traveling. Going to see guys, so it's been a good time. Yeah, we went out to see Rocco. The people were disappointed. We shot the workout, right? We were shooting it. We were all over the field, and they were like, why weren't you running the workout out there? I don't want to take his fame away. You know what I mean? <laughs> they weren't doing bench presses, Bryce, so I don't think you could have stolen his thunder. You know, maybe maybe if they got into a bench press contest, maybe then you might steal some of Rocco's shine. But other than that, man, it would have been fine. I mean, we could flip tires, you know, I'm going to have done something else, but you know, it was his time to shine. You I flipped it, the tire so. before Bryce. Yeah. You know, a little spare. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a great way to start because I going back. What was it? May. I talked to, to Mark Spindler. And first of all, guys, let me tell you, uh, yeah, I'm obviously older than you guys. I grew up, I was a kid of the, of the early nineties. And I remember Mark Spindler when he played for the lions and, that defensive line he was on with Dan Owens and Jerry Ball and Tracy uh, Tracy Scroggins. They had some guys back in the early 90s that that really got after it. And he was, uh, I mean, you see where Rocco gets some of his edge and some of his attitude from. It was from Mark Spindler. And I've, you know, had the, the chance to have some conversations with him. For people who aren't Lions fans, and maybe this predates you guys, look, the Lions were on their way. People who are not Lions fans are going to say, yeah, right. You're drinking the Kool-Aid. The early 90s Lions were close, fellas. They were close. Sure, they got blown out by the Washington, soon-to-be Red Tails, uh, in the 1991 playoffs after they took care of the Dallas Cowboys. But they were ready to turn the corner. And then a series of unfortunate events happened. You had the, 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 uh, the paralysis of Mike Utley on the field. You had this guy, Eric Andelsek, who was another offensive lineman for the Lions. He was weed whipping. He was, you guys have a weed whacker, right? Where you weed oh, yeah. whack. He was oh, yeah. weed whacking his front yard, and a semi truck hit him in his front yard and killed him. A few years later, you had Reggie Brown get paralyzed on the field. We were just a cursed 
organization, unfortunately. But we were close, and Mark Spindler was there for for it all. And so hearing him tell some of those stories were great, but not as great. Bryce and Steve is hearing him talk about his kid, and Bryce he uh, he set that workout up for us to come out and see uh, see Rocco do his thing on Friday. Yeah, it was a really awesome time. You and me both got to go down to Clarkston, which is a trip in and of itself. We <laughs> it talked is. about. So, um, no, it was a great time. We got to talk to the trainer, talk to, obviously, Mark, talk to Rocco. Got a lot of good stuff. Um, I personally talked to the trainer, and he said, you know, I've been working with him since uh, the start of seventh grade till now. And he's like, from last season, though, to now, he's went from a high school athlete to now a college athlete. He's 6'5", 315. But you watch the videos you posted, Sam. I mean, that's impressive. And I'm and that's coming from me. So I mean that's, that's a it's a big deal. But um, you know, some of the stuff beforehand. <laughs> yeah, I mean you gotta do I'm a sorry. whole lot. You I'm gotta sorry. do a whole lot to impress Bryce Marriage on the football I'm field. Sorry. I got you. I got yeah. you. Only like you gotta be Usain Bolt to impress you on the track too, right, Bryce? Something it, like anything that. short is just fades in the in the shine of Bryce marriage I got you but anyways so you know I got up there and I talked to Mark when we first got there and I said you know what I first saw Rocco play was a couple years ago when West Bloomfield played and I said man you guys really took it to West Bloomfield and up front and Clarkson went on to win that game he's like yeah you know we did a great job against them but he said that one player, Donovan Edwards, man, he was a bull. We could not stop him. He was just, he made one incredible touchdown run. He was, he was like, I got to know who this kid is. So he was really impressed with them, uh, with him actually. And he talked to me and Sam and he, you know, he asked us personally, he said, you know, where do you think Donovan's going to go? And I said, well, I, you know, I'm a crystal ball guy. I got, I'm Michigan. So I don't know if that means anything. So he's like, okay, okay. You know, and, so that was one interesting thing. And the other thing I really picked up from our time there was we talk about Jeff Quinn and Ed Warner quite a bit, you know, with his recruitment. But I thought, interestingly enough, was he mentioned that he talks to Ed Warner quite a bit, but he also said how Ed told him basically, hey, I bought a house. I got a pool here. My family's staying here. My son's now on the team. I'm not going anywhere. So you don't need to worry about me leaving. Because he's a coach that he's done so well, there's a possibility he could, like we talked about Josh Gaddis, maybe get other opportunities down the road. But that doesn't look likely at the time. So it was a good trip. We got a lot from it. Yeah, Steve, I've been trying to pinpoint, maybe you can uh, kind of illuminate for me the source of how this has been trending. It seems like it's been trending wildly in Notre Dame's favor. Like, you know, most of the pundits, had their the confidence level with regard to Michigan's champ, chances dipped significantly, while Notre Dame, you know, it's just steadily been trending up. Like this is leaning more and more Notre Dame's way, and I I really don't understand why. You know, I I get that this is a battle. I think it's nip tuck. I think that he's torn. Uh, I think that both teams are right there, but I've never gotten the impression that Notre Dame was leaps and bounds ahead of of Michigan, or for that matter, even in the lead. Uh, And I came away from this meeting feeling like that's the way to be about this battle right now. So I I can't – you got any any read on where this this Notre Dame trend has been coming from? 
Well, we, you know, we talked a little bit before we got on about, you know, what advantages would Notre Dame have in this situation? You know, he hasn't been able to visit either campus in months. So I'm skeptical of whether or not that campus fit is still fresh enough in his mind, maybe to, to really feel that strongly one way or the other, you know, cause I know Michigan Notre Dame meet a lot on the recruiting trail and their campuses, the campus life wildly different. Uh, it's the one big separating factor between the two. Uh, you know, the other thing, Michigan's really recruited the interior offensive line uh, pretty darn well the last what three cycles. And if you include this one in there, I, I think, you know, my sense is that there's a desperation level a little bit at Notre Dame. You go on their board, you know, you see uh, Tom Loy, uh, Notre Dame insider, does a great job, you know, posting a lot of stories. There's a lot of pressure on Notre Dame to win this recruiting race. Uh, they've missed on a lot of guys. I think we've alluded to it a little bit before. So I kind of wonder if they've really, you know, the pitch to him might be almost over the top. <laughs> a little right, bit to right. in, in an effort to to reel him in because a they he's really really talented and b you know they they really need i think to win a national race to beat michigan head-to-head and this one i think perception wise would maybe give them a little bit of a boost again on the recruiting trail uh you know that but it's been this fascinating recruitment so we talked about before props to him and his family too it, it made it a pretty enjoyable recruitment for reporters i mean to allow you guys to come up for a private workout. I mentioned, you know, Tom's been up there a few times himself. That's not always the case uh, in a heated recruitment like this. A lot of times it becomes the opposite. So pretty cool to see a guy and his family, like kind of open up the doors to everybody, allow them to get sort of an inside peek of everything. Uh, But, you know, as far, yeah, as far as the momentum, I kind of just get the sense that, you know, Notre Dame going maybe overboard. And I don't really even mean that negatively. I mean, there is, there's, there's pressure on them to, to win this one, maybe more so than Michigan. So uh, that's the one real sticking point that I think if we're being honest, I do think maybe an earlier path to the field at Notre Dame than Michigan, not say he's the type of guy that could come in and beat other beat guys ahead of him out from us, from a, you know, seniority standpoint, we start getting, you know, Nolan Rumler, Carson Barnhart, Zach Carpenter. I mean, Michigan's got a lot of young interior linemen. It'd be very difficult for any you know, interior linemen, they recruit this cycle, whether they're a hometown guy or not, uh, to walk in and beat some of these young, talented guys that Michigan's recruited the last few cycles. You know, talking to him, and and you're right. I I think typically, generally speaking, you know, that is a major, major factor for guys. But this dude is cut from the Mark Spindler cloth. And, you know, I've talked to him several times. Uh, from you know, from last year to going back into the Under Armour camp down in Orlando to obviously this workout that Mark set up, and we appreciate. It. I mean, it wasn't just the workout; he was giving he was giving me brisket tips. Bryce, were you, were you picking up on that? He was telling me how to grill, how to smoke a brisket the right way. And it's coming from a guy. I think he I think he spent like eighteen hours on his first brisket. But but they say you you learn from other people's failures, right, Mark? You learn from other people's failures. So I've learned it from your failure on that brisket. But point, but my point is, is talking to them that much, I've gotten the impression from Rocco that he doesn't see who else is around. He doesn't see other rankings. He just believes in his ability that much that he's going to beat out whoever else is there. The, the thing that resonates with me with Notre Dame is 
you know, and looking at all the criteria, I think that he is connected with Jeff Quinn on a personal level. Not like he, and don't take that to mean that he has not connected with Ed Warner. He has. But if we are, if we are assigning value to, to all of these categories, right? So coaching relationships, I think that would probably go at least offensive line coaching personal relationship. I would hang out with this guy. I think he would put Jeff Quinn, you know, he would get that. He would get that nod. He would get that check mark. But I think if he got, if he put coaching development, player development, I think Ed Warner would win it. And I think he would win it by a mile. And, you know, we're going to be talking about recruiting approach here coming up a little bit later on in the podcast, guys. But listening to him talk, and it wasn't my place, it wasn't Bryce's place to to kind of say, hey, you know, they're the, these two aren't the same as far as, you know, player development is, is concerned. He said that. He said, you know, they, I could get developed in any of these places the same way. And you just, as a reporter, you listen to that. But here on the podcast, we can say, I, I heard that. I was thinking to myself, man, it's not close. I mean, this is so not close. None of the guys Notre Dame is holding up. Jeff Quinn hasn't coached any of those guys. You know, and they didn't have any of their guys drafted in this last draft. They're talking about the next draft. They got three guys coming back that they say are all going to go high. Maybe they will. Michigan will likely have more guys go high again. But you look at Ed Warner's resume and, and look at all the guys he's, he's placed. I think he has, what, 20 guys in the league right now? 20 guys in the league right now? I mean, it's and $300 million in contracts. You can't find that with Jeff Quinn. And Notre Dame people say it. That's the other thing. That's the... You know, maybe the little-known truth here in Michigan land, because I wanted to, you know, just doing a little search on Jeff Quinn and track record in Notre Dame, and there was this Sports Illustrated article, one of many criticisms of Jeff Quinn at Notre Dame, but this Sports Illustrated article, I'll just give you a couple of outtakes from it. It says, the key to Notre Dame winning a title is for the offensive line to play at an elite level. But the Irish line hasn't come close to playing that caliber of football the last two seasons. In my analysis, much of the blame for that is on line coach Jeff Quinn. Quinn has been nothing but first class in every interaction I've had with him. And every uh, person I speak with inside the program says nothing but great things about him as a man. He's personable. He's engaging. And he's been extremely loyal to Kelly the last three decades. But when it comes to developing the offensive line these last two seasons, Quinn has come up short. My criticism of him as a coach has been sharp and to the point he's simply not getting the job done. Steve, that is from a Notre Dame. That's from a, a what is it called, Irish breakdown? That's from a Notre Dame Sports Illustrated column and it's not the only one that's going after Jeff Quinn like that. Well, not only, so it, he's got some elite level talent to work with too, right? Think of guys. Think of some of the battles. Uh, you know, their their offensive line is almost fully made up of guys that they beat Michigan for. Uh, Robert Hainsey, Tommy Kramer, uh, Liam Eikenberg, uh, and all those guys are really, really, really highly regarded recruits at the time too. I think Kramer was a. Well, I know Eikenberg was close to a five star. I think Kramer was around the same. Uh, so it's not as if it was a retooling. Really, when he stand left, it was at the peak of their production up front and the the recruiting. I mean, they were really putting it, you know, he always recruited well up front, but it was starting to go to another level, I feel like, 
And uh, so he's had guys to work with. Like you said, we'll see this year for them, but that's not going to matter right. in this recruitment. Right. So it's irrelevant. Right. They could all, he could, he could turn out three first, second round draft, but not going to matter in this race, you know, as far as how they've pitched it, it, you know, it is a, it's kind of a weird spot, but it's only a set. It was only what he's only been through two years. It's hard to, uh, you know, interesting to know what they're, how they're pitching it, but you know, I don't know if they go campus because it's hard for them, like for Quentin Nelson, let's say, because I think we've heard that Quentin Nelson is, and uh, other uh, alignment have been involved in this recruitment in some capacity and kind of giving him an idea of what Notre Dame is like. It's like, I wonder how they would like be able to tell them anything about what Jeff Quinn has Christ. done because he never coached any of, you know, like Quentin Nelson. And I even right. go as far as kind of the other thing too is, and I want, was it Ronnie Stanley? I feel like there's Zach Martin, maybe Ed Warner recruited <laughs> some of these guys to Notre Dame in the first place. Yeah. He certainly coached Zach Martin. Hell he recruited, uh, Quentin Nelson at, at Ohio State, and he went to he went to Notre Dame. But I don't know that Jeff Quinn has a connection to any of these guys, other than he's working at the school that they played at. And right. so, it, getting to getting to their approach, and we'll dig deeper into approach later. I don't get the impression from talking to Mark or Rocco that Michigan has kind of smacked it down on the table and said, "Look at Jeff Quinn's resume for player development." And look at Ed Warner's resume for player development, and tell and give me your conclusion, uh, because again, it, it's just not close. It's not even remotely close. And so that's one of the reasons why I really, my objective in going into the in going into the interview, was not to necessarily talk specific guys. To not, you know, it wasn't my place to line up Ed Warner versus Jeff Quinn. But it was my place to kind of get a feel for what do you value more? What are you what are you placing a greater priority on? Who you have the stronger relationship with, assuming, like I said, that you have fairly strong relationships at all of these places. I mean, he has strong relationships with Michigan, too. But maybe when you talk about position coach, maybe it's a little higher with, with Jeff Quinn. But if you if if player development is anywhere close to to the level of importance of relationships or even higher then if you look at the disparity in player development i don't know how you could come away with any other conclusion then michigan is the place so at this point uh, to, to me it boils down to whether they stick to what he says his criteria is he said i mean all of these things he's going to have education i think he finds them comparable uh you know fit with the the class he's He's bonded with several guys from their class. He's bonded with several guys from, from Michigan's class. Uh, it, relationships with, with coaches, hey, I think he has great relationships with both. You might give the edge to Jeff Quinn some, but when you put up that player development deal, guys, I, I just think that that wins it for Michigan. When I asked that question directly to Rocco, he said I, it's player development. Then he came back and said relationships. It was kind of a little bit of a hedge. Dad didn't hedge at all. He said it's about player development. You know, as long as you have a respectful relationship with your coach, the whole kumbaya, be buddies, let's go out and hang together. He said, you don't need any of that. So I'd rather have a guy that's going to have a, you know, boot to the behind that's going to push me than a guy that I can hang out with. So that being the case, I would, I still think it's Michigan. What I can't, what I can't guarantee is that it won't be a, it won't be a heart thing or a heartstring thing. At the end, I don't know that. I don't know what it's going to be like for him in the twenty third hour. But if it's if it's in the twenty third hour, like it is now, 
and they're placing player development up that high, I, I just don't think Michigan can be beat, especially when you throw in how tight the 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 family and especially Mark Spindler has gotten with Jim Harbaugh, how tight they are with, with Matty Dudek, who is an unsung hero in this, you know, follow, knowing a little bit about Mark's recruitment from his from him talking about it, he, you know, he went to Pitt, he was the native son, and then when he left early, it was kind of an ostracizing kind of thing. He didn't have the real kind of connection where it was family even after he left. And I think they feel that. I think they're feeling that possibility with Michigan from the network to the relationship with Harbaugh. I just think I think Michigan still has a slight edge there. And if if he if player development really rules the day, then I think Michigan's gonna win this thing. I agree. I mean so I guess my, yeah, if he does, I guess we basically what we've laid out here feels like the pitch for Michigan is better. The question is if he chooses Notre Dame, it, yeah, it'd have to be a, how do you say it? Like a, it was at that feel, mm-hmm. you know, it must be, you have to be something intangible about maybe the campus, Great the university, yeah. you know, something else. Cause you know, he might be one of those guys you know, we've talked about before. I know one of the big things is, you know, when when somebody mentions academics and then they go to a school that doesn't really uh, excel academically, there's that idea that maybe they feel confident enough where they can excel in the classroom no matter where they go and get a good degree. You know, on Notre Dame's end, he may feel that same way about the development aspect where he thinks he's a talented enough player that he'll get developed or he'll just, he'll become a good player regardless of where he goes. So mm-hmm. he's going to go where he feels most comfortable, where he wants to be at. So it, I guess that's probably the big picture, yeah. I suppose, heading in. But yeah, I mean, as far as like the, the kind of the, like if this was NCAA, like the football, the PlayStation, the video game, you know, and you're laying out all the pitches and stuff that you send out there, you kind of got to feel like the majority of them seem to get, would seem to give Michigan an edge at this point. And, and we say at this point, I, I gotta think he kind of already knows. I, I just, what, what could be said, what can be done at this point? He's been recruited by both these schools forever. Right? For so, yeah. For so long, you got to think he, you know, my thing is if you're still torn at this point, why are you deciding now? But I know that things are a little bit different this cycle. So I think it's uh, hard to say no. I think right. it's hard to say no because you've gotten so close to both staffs. I think that would be the thing that would would maybe be the the sticking point at the very end. For for me, getting to the approach piece, if I'm Michigan, I am not – I'm taking the gloves off here down the stretch. I, I don't think it's – is it negative recruiting? So how about this, guy? Is it negative recruiting if you say this dude hasn't coached any of the guys they're pumping up? This guy hasn't had nearly the influence as far as – developing players that Ed Warner has. Is that negative recruiting? How do you guys see that? If it's the truth, I don't consider it negative recruiting. You know, it's one thing like we know about other coaches who have basically lied to prospects in the past about Harbaugh's aspirations to go back to the NFL. To me, that's where it gives it's BS, you know, but it's on the kid and the family to figure that, to parse through that stuff and figure out what's the truth and what's not. But I don't think pointing out facts <laughs> should be looked at as negative recruiting. I mean, you're trying to, you're trying to, you know, win a, win a recruiting race. You're trying to bring in the best players possible. I mean, if, if hell, like telling them the truth is you're doing them a favor. I mean, you could argue, <laughs> right. Well, right. you know what I mean? That's right. like, you're, 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 it's not as if you're, um, you know, 
bashing or anything even necessarily. You're just, if you're factually laying out your case versus your competitor, what, you know, what that's, it's just like anything. I mean, you, you want you to get your guys, you show them how you should, you sell yourself the best, show them what the competitors don't have or where they're lacking and let them make the decision. I don't, you know, yeah, as long as they're, if you're telling the truth and, and, and giving like factual information, like, I don't think it's negative recruiting whatsoever. I think it's, it'd be, I think you're missing an opportunity if you're not yeah. pointing out facts about your program or about your coaching staff that maybe your primary competition doesn't have or, or lacks. Yeah. I, and, and I, you know, part of that is just you know, how, how you are is maybe in, in anything, you know, I don't see that as boasting. I'm like you, I don't see that as self-promotion. I see that as just laying out a contrast that is that is meaningful, that is functional for you know for a young man in this situation that's considering which school to go to. You need to know who's actually done what they're saying they're going to do for you. Who's done it? And if it's me, I'm saying and, and not being at all subtle about it. I've done it. He hasn't. And while I think Michigan has made the case, make no mistake. I think Ed Warner's resume has been put in front of him. Uh, you know, I think that they have, you know, they are, they they recruit hard, they recruit fierce. They don't talk about what other schools do or don't do. They don't, they don't do that. They talk about themselves, which is, which is commendable. But there are times, there are times where you look, what they're saying they can do, they can't, they, they haven't really done that. Now, at least not this guy. If he stand was still there, you might have a case. Uh, but he's not there. So uh, what they're talking about is the work that other people have done when they were at Notre Dame. We'll see how it works out here down the stretch. But, guys, that gets into the approach piece. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. We got a question because I put it to the people over on the MichiganInsider.com over on the message board. And they wanted they wanted a picture of a Michigan's recruiting approach and specifically wanted an idea of of our view of how maybe that approach has changed or been modified by this pandemic, by having to deal with the lack of in-person recruiting. So let's just start with with you, Steve, and then Bryce, you pick up from there about how do you think things are different with Michigan's recruiting approach as a result of the pandemic? I mean, biggest thing for me, we've touched on it a little bit before, but just I feel like they've been more aggressive. I feel like we're hearing more about Michigan on the recruiting trail since this happened. You know, the junior kid, the 21s, the class is filling up, less targets on the board. Those guys are going to get full attention either way, whether there were in-campus visit or in-person visits or not. But to me, it's really been more about the 22s. Uh, I think I posted a couple days ago. I mean, what? I think I've 15, 20, 20, 22 kids that I maybe wouldn't have even listed or, or thought of as maybe top target types all confirm that Michigan, they're in contact with Michigan at least once a week, which is, a, that's, that's enough. 
you know, for the sophomores at this point, that's usually, that's at least enough to know that the kid is significantly interested. Right. So to me, I think they've taken a much more a measured aggressive approach with the younger group. And I think the other thing they've done, and I know you guys have talked to kids that have said the same thing. I think they've kind of utilized the virtual stuff in some different ways that have allowed them to maybe separate themselves from, and I don't know any programs specifically, but I know constantly hear about doing the virtual workouts or virtual film sessions. And again, I don't think Michigan's the only school that's doing this stuff. I'm sure other schools are, but it's always something that gets mentioned when you talk about, well, what do you, you know, how are you getting to know Michigan or what are they doing that, you know, that you've enjoyed or like, and a lot of it is like, they've used this. They've tried to help me become a better player uh, throughout this whole thing. And so, you know, that that's been one of the fascinating angles to me. And to me, it's, I think this whole thing in every aspect of your program, top to bottom has been a battle of logistics and how to execute those logistics. And this is another area. I feel like it, I feel like almost across the board, Michigan has really maximized their logistical situation. Uh, you know, we see it with the testing, how, how advanced they appear to be in that aspect. You go to the recruiting trail. I feel like it's been the same thing. Cause I think, I think if anything with 22s, I think they've set a better table, set a better foundation to where we're going to see less of those. Well, Hey, they evaluated this kid first and they offered him really early, but then they didn't really hear from Michigan for months. And then they're fighting from behind. I think maybe they might be able to win a couple more of these battles that they maybe would have lost in the past because they're, they're already, you know, developing a great relationship with a guy. Look at a kid like Donovan green. I know Bryce, you've reported on him a couple of times. I've done the same where it sounds like Michigan's talking to him like twice a week as the top tight end in 2022, I think it might be number two in our newest rankings, but either way, just seeing more and more of that. So I think that's been a big takeaway for me. And, uh, you know, I think lends itself to the possibility of maybe having another, you know, maybe reeling in a couple more of the higher ranked big time guys that they got in on early and, and evaluated and offered early. Yeah. I, you know, I, I would touch on all that. I would say, uh, first off the creativity, I think you touched on, I mean, when I talked to some of the kids in Columbus, Ohio for that camp, like Jabrian Payne, who's a top two, four, seven running back out of uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. He talked about one of the coolest things he had with Michigan and Jay Harbaugh. He's got a great relationship. He said the best out of any coach running back coach recruiting him out of any school. He said the chalk talk, he said, just going through the chalk talk, learning about what they do, seeing it and just really, absorbing everything um i would say another thing would be some of the guys all the people they're talking to i know uh drew kendall said he's talked to basically everyone but he talked to the dean of uh the raw school of business and he really enjoyed that conversation he's a lot of the guys have told me they've talked to the nutritionist abigail o'connor and got to see kind of where michigan is with that strength and conditioning program kind of how they, you know, once they get in the school, kind of how they'd go about every step from day to day basis. So that's really been good. You know, and Michigan had like any school had to figure out they had a hundred, I think Matt Dudek tweeted out before when this all started a hundred visits canceled. So a lot of those guys, they had to figure out how they're going to impress and they're doing it virtually, which is a big deal. And I think the other thing that's really key is, there really is a staff connecting on, okay, what coach should recruit what guy? So you had Coach Nua, 
recruit Quinn Somerville because he had a former connection there. You've seen Coach BJ go down to Florida and work on like Jaden Hood and uh, McBurrows and some of those guys. And that connection and those um, ties he's got to that state have really paid off. So, you know, you got to put the coaches sometimes where the relationships are. And sometimes it's not their region, but you just got to fit what fits best. You know, some guys, if I like doing something that others don't, put me where that fits better than other places. So they're doing a really good job with that. I think it also helps too that I honestly, I think Michigan has benefited the most out of most schools because their evaluations. This took a lot of the evaluation process, the spring evaluation from all schools. So they couldn't recruit or see a lot of these kids, but Michigan has always been as a staff very on top of their evaluations. They've contacted or they've identified the guys they really like. They've offered them early. And now, like you said, Steve, they're taking that aggressive approach after they've offered and it seems to be paying off. Yeah. I think you hit on a, on a few key angles there, Bryce, more, more broadly, when you just talk about their recruiting approach in general, they, they go position first. Uh, and then you have a couple of things on the same level. So personality fit, uh, region, uh, it, it's not always to your point. It's not always that a guy in a guy in, let's say Pennsylvania is always going to be recruited by Zordich, right? You might have a personality fit that puts someone else on that guy as a primary. So they have a, a, a few different criteria. They aren't strictly married to, to area and area is not necessarily the, you know, the first, the first piece, the first piece is position. And then they can shift off of, off a of position to, to have someone else being the primary guy uh, and then be nimble. Like if you gotta if you gotta change things up, if you're losing a battle and you need someone else who's a better personality fit to be on a guy, uh, then then make that move. And so one of the things that I think has been really on display uh, in this recruiting cycle, and it's not unique to this recruiting cycle, but uh, the the how quickly they've moved and adjusted and adapted to hey we are we are about to lose Donovan Edwards for for instance. What do we you know, how do we turn that around? How do we how do we flip that? You know, we are about to maybe lose Xavier Worthy. What do we do? How do we turn that around? How do we flip that? We've seen examples of that uh, in classes before, but to see it happen a few times in the same class, to me, uh, is, is evidence of in this cycle, they've really refined some things. And the thing that really jumps out, is how how easily they are able to incorporate multiple guys into a single recruitment now. Not as easy to do that when it's just a phone deal, right? You can do it when guys get on campus, but generally speaking, when you are contacting a recruit off campus, it's it's hey, maybe Jay's calling them one day and and Gaddis is calling them another day. But with these Zoom sessions and FaceTimes, Hey, they're hitting them together and approaching, you know, coming up with this recruiting strategy to get on the horn with the guy with the guy at the same time and really make those pitches. And uh, and then beyond that, to really go into 
something that we keep harping on Donovan because he is the biggest recruit left on the board, to be able to get on a Zoom session with Donovan Edwards and go over position drills. You can't do that in a phone conversation, guys. But you can get on on a Zoom and show him video of a guy or take him through, take him through a drill, really, really show him things that maybe you can't you can't accurately describe in a phone conversation. So I think they've gotten really good with that. Rocco Spindler taking him through a session on coaching him up on outside zone, like Ed Warner just did, for instance. Those are the kinds of things that Michigan is doing in Zoom sessions that are really working to their advantage. And I don't want to make it sound like other coaches aren't doing uh, schools, I'm sure, are doing the same thing. But I can really see it having a tangible effect, at least to me, on Michigan's success with some of these guys. Yeah, I mean, it's it's all about what fresh fresh in your uh, what is it out of sight out of mind. Michigan has not gone out of sight here, and and as we you guys have both illustrated, uh, done it in a creative fashion. You know, I I think that these they're learning things that I think they're going to be able to keep now going forward. You know, when things do get back to normal, they're back on the road and stuff. I think I think this is a, a potentially a big benefit for them to have taken as much advantage of the current situation as possible. You know, I think a lot of people, bad situation, try to turn it into a positive. Uh, no doubt that they've done that so far. So, you know, like I said, I think you take some of this that you've learned, keep applying it, obviously, because it's working. Uh, and then once things are back to normal, use what you can out of it when you can use it. And then all, now all of a sudden you got kind of a multifaceted approach that is potentially effective in, in every at every angle that they can possibly hit. What's your what's your take on both of your answers on this? Because I'm sure you guys get it all the time. How many guys can they take in this class? How many more spots do they have left? People are really hung up on the numbers. And while it is true that you do have to have some some number, like I'm I'm out to get say six offensive linemen. You got to have a, a number out there. But I don't sense that it's this rigid thing with Michigan, especially in this cycle. In light of how guys are committing without even visiting the schools that they, they're committing to, there's just a high level. Of, I think there's going to be a high level of volatility with, with every recruiting class, not just Michigan. Just recruiting in general is going to be more volatile than we've ever seen it be with guys maybe decommitting or at least visiting other schools. And so I think because of that, we see Michigan, in this case, building in uh, a significant level of redundancy uh, in their recruit in their recruiting. It's why, for instance, I think they're still recruiting Rocco Spindler and Drew Kendall. And I actually think Michigan would take both of those guys. Now, I told you guys before, I think if they take both of those guys, they'll still end up with five offensive linemen because I don't see any way where all those interior guys stay in the class. It's just my my opinion. But that's recruiting with that redundancy in mind. That's one of the things that maybe we saw on a certain level before, but I think we're really seeing it on a higher level in this recruiting class. So numbers are always very fluid. And for, for me, how I like to go about it, I look, I like to look at a baseline number instead of just a concrete number. I like a baseline number where they always want to hit that and it's not something concrete set in stone. So like Steve wrote an article about Jaden hood who just got an offer from Mississippi state. 
the kid has never been to Michigan. I know he committed to Michigan, but he is a, he's a guy that you got to watch, you know, he's down in Florida. All those schools are going to continue recruiting him. You're going to see more schools offer him. It's not like Mississippi state's going to be his last offer. So you got to really push on him and you got to look at all your other options. I think another position is wide receiver. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, they got a couple guys right now, but you see a guy like Jaden Thomas and people are wondering, was he a take? And then you saw that graphic. You're like, he's probably a take. So, you know, I, you just got to make sure that you never are, you know, square yourself off and you have nowhere to escape or go from there. So I think Michigan's doing a really good job of having it to where let's say they have that option. They want to go higher or lower. They can do that. And that's one thing you're seeing with this class. They're, they're really incorporating. You guys know, I hate that question, <laughs> but it's always because it's not because like, yeah, like you guys said, and obviously like that's, I always feel like it should be known. Of course, there's like an idea of where the class, like, you know, like they go into it with a number, but I mean, this is like always drop of the hat kind of stuff right. that can shift. And that's what you're talking about. Not even talking about the recruiting end could be unforeseen attrition, mm-hmm. which just happened with for Michigan with Aaron Lewis leaving. So it's like, and I know Bryce reported should check it out about where Michigan could go from there. Is like it's sort of a uh, okay. Well, now hey, is there another spot in the defensive line? Maybe will we bank? You know, it's like there's so many variables that can come into play. You know, guys decommit, uh, players don't pan out or young players maybe they realize aren't going to pan out pretty quickly. They got to shift their, you know, you talk about kind of one of the, th- the thing I always go back to is like, you talk about how well they, at the time it looked like they recruited the defensive line in 17. And then in 18, they took a couple, maybe, you know, obviously they got Aiden Hutchinson, but then you have a couple more long-term project type players in Welshoff and uh, Upshaw. And then all of a sudden you get all this attrition and now those guys aren't ready in time. And you're now all of a sudden your defensive lines and experienced young in the middle, like just, you know, that's it. There's like things you can't help when it comes to this kind of thing. Michigan always is taking the approach, going to take the best players, the most best players that they can, if that doesn't even make sense. Um, but, you know, I, that's the way I've always kind of answered the question is just, it, it can change at the drop of a hat. And it's always hard to give like, to even throw a total for a baseline sometimes. Cause it's like, you know, I know, uh, was it 14? Like when Malik McDowell went to MSU, like Michigan, I think banked like two or three in that small 2014 class. I think it was where they only ended up signing like 16 guys. I think it was the same class. They got, uh, Michael Ferns and, and Noah Furbush and those guys. I was like, that was a signing day decision or sending or not sending a letter of intent to Alaric Jackson. Uh. Was a signing was a signing day decision, uh. or or even Vic Viramontes. I think they decided last second to not send a letter of intent to, as well. You know, and so like my thing is, is it it, do, it almost it literally does not get answered until signing day in a lot of instances. So, uh, you know, because the pressure's on, kids get cold feet or kids get feelings maybe for that other school again. It's like, and you know, you're Michigan, you're any other school. Do you know? We'll take a guy on signing day if he's good enough. You know, we'll figure it out because they do always work out too. That's the other thing. I always wonder why people ask the question as if there's ever been a program in any sport in history where they're like, well, we can't play because we signed too many guys 
like, like we're, you know, penalty because we signed too many guys. It's like the numbers literally, they have to work out and they're going, they're always going to. So, um, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I try <laughs> nah, not to get annoyed. Look, I'm right there with you. And maybe this will, th- how about this? If you're listening to this podcast, just know, don't ever ask the. <laughs> Don't ever ask Steve Lariz that question. Hey, ask me. Other, I'll answer. I'll answer pretty much anything. And I know I, you know, I, I have my concise way of answering things. Sometimes I just try to get right to the point, but that's just the one that's always, um, and I'll give, you know, position by position. Yeah. We always usually have some kind of idea, but when they have 18 commits and it's, it's, how many May. more spots do they have here? Yeah. yeah, like how many, like how big is this class going to be? And it's like, you know, I was, I just like, I don't know. They don't even know. Like there's nobody that could, you could knock on Jim Harbaugh's door and ask him how many guys they're going to sign. And he would not be able to give you a, a concrete answer, you know? And so that's why I try to, you know, yeah, ask me other questions. Yeah, you know, it's, always a great, available. it's a great point, Steve, because there are so many variables. You know, if it was just, Hey, you're looking to see you got this many this many open spots in the class to as you head into the cycle and it's going to stay it's going to stay that number. It's not going to shift at all. Uh and the guys you have committed in your class, they're they're going to stay. There's not going to be any issue. You're not going to have any guys leaving early for the draft. You're not going to have any transfers. So many things that go into changing that number. Uh that and some of the things that we won't know. They might have an idea of a guy who, hey, coach, I'm going to leave. And they, they're building that into their equation, and there's no way for us to know that. I mean, we know a lot about the program. I can't say that we know every single thing everyone is thinking every minute of the day. So uh, We that, try our best. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so that's why it's so hard to, to, pinpoint, to pinpoint a number. But this year, whatever the number was, the baseline heading into the cycle, I think they have they have a greater level of redundancy built in this year because they know, just like every school should know, uh, you're gonna have more decommitments this year than than we've seen before. Uh, and if you don't uh, consider yourself consider yourself lucky, now there there are gonna be some guys that you could just you know this guy is not going anywhere, like Raheem Anderson, for instance. Like you know Raheem, you know Raheem is not going anywhere, right, Bryce? No, no one's even pushing him. Trust me, I saw him up front. I got to see him in close and personal on Saturday. I got to go check out a private workout. He and a couple of his teammates uh, ran, which, you know, when I pulled up to the field, I was expecting, I don't know, trainers or coaches or anyone. And it was just the three guys, and he was there. He had a bag of cones and a uh, ladder and stuff like that. And I'm like, what's going on, man? He said, we're about to do a couple stretches get practice going and I'll let you know. And I was like, all right. And I watched him for an hour and a half physically just, just lay out every drill, put out all the equipment. He would take the first rep. The other two guys would follow and he would critique them in a hopeful manner, obviously. And he was just basically like a coach out there. I've met out of all the workouts that I've been to and Sam, maybe you've been to as well. I've never seen a guy basically just, run the whole workout by himself and he did it great i mean it was flawless and so i think with him and i put in the article i wrote that i think he's got a chance to be a captain but also multi-year captain he's just that special his leadership uh traits are just that special so he really stood out to me 
and talking about numbers, he's the guy that, you know, when they got the Greg Crippen commitment, people are wondering, why are they going to chase? You know, are they going to keep recruiting Raheem Anderson? Well, I'll tell you right now, that was a great decision to keep recruiting him and to eventually get his commitment because he's going to be a star. He's going to be a stud. He's got all the abilities you want, especially at the center position. He's a guy that as the center, like we saw of Cesar Ruiz, he's the general up front. He's helping all his troops. And I saw that Saturday helping with some of the younger linemen. And so he's a guy that in this class, his ranking might not be as high as some others, but he's got the ability to outplay that ranking and be one of the diamonds in the rough sort of thing when in this top class. So I was very impressed with him. He's definitely one of my favorite players or commits now in this class. And I think he's going to be a fan favorite as well. I think so too, Bryce. And this, uh, to me, it kind of, I immediately, when the kid, we were leaving Rocco's workout and he DM me and said, Hey, I got to work out tomorrow. Like, Hey, you know, come, come check this out. <laughs> and when you told me, when you told me that he was running the whole thing, I immediately thought of what Steve said, where Steve, you were like, this guy, he's like a future captain. hundred percent. Been a leader. Uh, you know, he'll be a, a four year starter at a, at a prestigious program like Cast tech. That's got D one lineman every year. I go back to, and I, I think I said, we've talked before. Allen, I think, was the one that mentioned him coming in his freshman year saying he was going to take somebody's job. Then you combine that, you see what Bryce sees at a personal workout. Him him even reaching out to you to say, hey, I got a workout going. You guys want to come out here? To me, you combine all this stuff, and you have a very quiet, quiet, well, not that confident, uh, confident young man, believes in his abilities, knows what he's doing. You know, has a, a that's a veteran. I mean, that's a veteran move to teach the not just not just to go out and do the work while nobody's there, but to bring a couple of young guys along, show them how to do like that's like that is that's coach. That's future coach type material, future graduate assistant type material. And a lot of times those guys that end up in those types of roles are guys who were sort of your captain leader type guys. I mean, think of some of the guys that have played for Michigan in the past years that are GAing somewhere. I think of guys like McCray, Bolden, Newsom. You know, a lot of those guys had those same kind of traits. You know, when you see a guy already doing this in high school, I got to think the coaches salivate hearing this kind of, you know, seeing those that type of stuff, knowing that he's doing this kind of stuff on his own. And, and Bryce, the biggest point that he mentioned was, I, yeah, just a – the. You're glad if you're a Michigan fan, you're glad that they went ahead and, and continued their pursuit of him. Cause I do think it was a question for a short time after the Crippen commitment, whether or not they were, they felt good enough on the interior. Maybe they'd focus just on Rocco um, to kind of make sure that they still bring Raheem in, I think was unnecessary and, and, and very, very smart move. Yeah. I think it's going to help him on the recruiting trail. Maybe with, maybe mostly with Rayshon Benny. Uh, you know, I, I know he, connects with some of the other guys and Bryce I'm pretty sure he told you he's played like video games with Rocco they've they've done that but the guy that he really vibes with that he has a connection with is is Rayshon it was one of the things that Rayshon said to me is like you know we talk and we talk a lot every day but it's not about recruit and that's that's kind of how it how it's working best with with Rayshon you don't 
talk recruiting with him. The relationship is the is what recruits him, not me saying, hey, you need to come to Michigan with me. It's like, hey, we just cool. And that relationship is what the lure is. And I think I sense that is part of what's going on with Raheem, Rayshon, and Michigan. Yeah, I mean, if you told me every day we're doing a podcast, like we're rec- you're recruiting me, I'm not going to be as intent as maybe maybe once every while, let's do a podcast once a week. I get it. You know, I get it. So, no, he talked about those relationships. He plays video games with Rocco, joked about playing Fortnite and GTA with him, and he said, yeah, he kicks my butt, but it's all right. You know, I like I, sometimes I let him win, so – you know, he loves those relationships. He told me, you know, the best players in Michigan go to Michigan. That's his pitch to them. He really thinks this class is going to be a special one. And I think I can see why guys gravitate towards Raheem. After meeting him in person, he just got that, like Steve said, that quiet confidence where it just resonates with everyone around him. And he's a guy that really just stands out in terms of physically and leadership-wise, so he's going to be a star for Ed Warner, and I definitely think he's going to be an NFL draft pick one day. So we got through this whole thing, Steve. They they wanted Bryce to do like a water polo recruiting update. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that. There were requests for water polo, maybe a little baseball. Uh, you know, They want him to branch out. They feel like we're kind of holding Bryce back on this podcast. Yeah, I agree. You know, Bryce – does a good enough job promoting himself. I guess I could, I could, I could help a little bit there and and say, uh, you know, maybe we do need to let him spread his wings a bit. I mean, we know Eric Bakich is doing some work on the trail. Might not be a bad idea to get Bryce uh, on the on the diamond with a couple of these baseball kids. I think they just got a legit guy out of Gross Point. You could send Bryce out there. Yeah, hey, uh, Bryce. Bryce can go show him how to hit more home runs than he's already hitting, probably. Right. So, uh, right. you know, that Dingers. might be. We yeah, call those maybe. dingers. Yeah, maybe. Hey, man, <laughs> maybe. The best Bryce marriage line was, "Hey, man, if I'm impressed by a workout, then you really, <laughs> then you really did something. If you impressed me, because after all, I'm Bryce. I'm Bryce lover. Can't nobody yeah, like, work out like me. So. Like to see the size of the tires that he's flipped, though. I'd be uh, something, you know. See, here's the thing. One of these days, one of these days, we're gonna have one of these CrossFit. Sure, so we're gonna have like a CrossFit kind of thing. Your competition. We, we're going to put Bryce through it where he has to flip a tire and he has to do some some burpees and some pull-ups, and, oh, yeah. you know, some squats, <laughs> do it all. And you, you've built up this picture, Bryce, that everyone is expecting you to, to go out there and just ace this course. So I hope you're, hope you're going to be ready, man. Like I said last week, time and place. Just let me know when and where I can make this happen. I'm not worried. I'm not worried. <laughs> All right, so that'll do it for the football portion of this week's podcast. Now it's time to shift gears, get over to Josh Hinchke, and talk some basketball recruiting. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And now we bring Josh Inchke in fresh off of vacation. So, Josh, how did vacation treat you? It was great. You know, staying at home, being responsible, wearing a mask, you know, you know, the, the good stuff. 
Absolutely. <laughs> hey, look, man, I'm right there for you. You want to get back to some semblance of life as, as we know it? Wearing the mask is the is the way to do that for sure. But as you were out, Michigan picked up a couple of commitments, right? So you, <laughs> you, you couldn't be away uh, without having a little bit of work. We were able to take care of the Buffkin one for you, though. So you, you yeah. didn't have to do that one. You did do Will Cheddar on the way out, though. And I just feel like it's a great foundation for Michigan's classes. They will probably, you know, people asking us a lot about numbers, I think Michigan will go to about six in this class. And so I'm curious, this is, you know, your first chance to be able to react to Michigan's two commitments. So your thoughts on, on Will Cheddar and Kobe Buffkin, Buffkin coming into the fold? Yeah, you know, I wasn't really surprised with, with Cheddar. It was kind of, you know, for me at least, we've been – tipped off for a little bit that something was was coming um and then it kind of sped up a little bit uh, in regards to his his commitment but uh you know buffkins is a little bit more of a surprise um it, you know we we kind of expected that you know michigan was was you know at least high up there for for him i mean you know considering the family ties the kid you know the kid's granny is a huge fab five Juwan howard fan so it just kind of made sense that you know, that there would be a family connection there, but you know, like you mentioned that that's two solid pieces for, for the class. You know, I, I listened to your podcast with, with Tim and I think, you know, he's, he's spot on for, for both guys, you know, especially with Buffkin. I think he's, he's got the talent to kind of come in and, and start early in his career. He's got a, he's got a body that's, you know, that's very capable of filling out, you know, very much like a, like a Karis Levert, like you mentioned, Sam. And, and, you know, I think he's got a chance to, to come in and, and uh, be a guy for them. And, and, you know, and that, I'm not trying to slight on Will Cheddar either. I think, you know, the, the, the kid is, you know, you've, you've mentioned this before, you know, his, his competition at Stewartsville and, and even his AU program doesn't really provide the, I guess, greatest, um, in terms of scouting for, you know, coaches and, and, you know, guys on our, our network, like Brian Snow. Um, but, you know, again, I mean, he's a capable shooter. Um, athleticism is going to be kind of interesting to see if, if he can work on that. But, you know, like you mentioned, he's a, he's a strong foundational piece that you kind of, you kind of need. So it allows you now to kind of swing for the fences, so to speak, in terms of, filling out a class because you've got guys like uh, Isaiah Barnes, who's, uh, you know, highly rated and probably going to rise and, um, and Kobe Bufkin, which, you know, in terms of his his future, who knows, you know, like he came off a a little bit of an injury issue last year. So that kind of impeded his, uh, you know, scouting and his rise up the rankings. So, you know, it's going to be interesting going forward, you know, how these AAU games are going to, 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 you know, even out and things like that. But, you know, you've got two strong pieces that will undoubtedly, you know, make an impact in, in, you know, probably sooner than Cheddar. But again, you got a guy who's, you know, a glue guy that will, you know, bring stability on the roster. Kind of like I've mentioned before, kind of very much like a Jace Howard would do. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, now you've got a chance to, to, to really, I mean, you're sitting at number three in the nation in terms of their recruiting class. I think, you know, you've got a very strong possibility to either, you know, maintain that position, maybe go higher. I guess it all depends on where the dominoes fall, but 
you know, they've got a chance now that they've got strong pieces that they can kind of really swing for the fences with the big boys that are left on the board. Right. And so now you start to look about different positional needs, right? So point guard, definitely while Kobe Bufkin is a guy who can, is a combo guard, you can play him on the board on the, excuse me, on the ball. They are looking for more of a, more of a lead guard first. It could be a combo guard that, that has that point guard mentality. That's kind of where I see a guy like Jalen Worley. He would fit that mold. Uh, definitely a guy that Michigan is trending up with that we've talked about a lot before. But then two other guys, one in state and then one down in Virginia that Michigan was one of the schools that they kind of moved quickly on. So let's just start off first with a guy that I know you've talked to before in Angelo Brizzy, who – whose recruitment, and I know we've talked about him on a on a prior podcast, but whose recruitment went from, like, nothing to a bunch of high majors virtually overnight. Yeah, you know, he his recruitment did pick up. Now it's in the process of kind of slowing down a little bit. You know, Angelo Brizzy is, is you know, one of those kids that is, is, really, is really intriguing to me because, you know, he, he's, he's a very talented kid, but, you know, again, the, the, with, with – everything that's going on with the coronavirus and, and, you know, not being able to, you know, get enough people in the seats to kind of scout him. He's kind of interesting in terms of, you know, where he sits in the recruiting rankings. I think, you know, he's, he's one of those guys that could probably, you know, that probably would have benefited from, you know, summer ball. But again, I mean, they're the coaches, the, the collegiate programs are finding, you know, kids like Brizzy. So that's not really an issue, but um, you know, he's, he's a guy that, that Phil Martelli is, is really been on since, you know, his St. Joe's days. So, you know, he's a, he's a kid that, that, you know, has had a very strong relationship, very familiar with Martelli. Um, and, and that's really one of the main reasons why they've, they've been so strong um, with him. I mean, obviously Juwan Howard's done a good job of, of, you know, talking to him and, and kind of, you know, showing where he would fit in the system and things like that. But again, you know, the, the main, the main relationship there is Martelli, but um, yeah, I mean, Brizzy, he released the top eight this week or excuse me, last week and uh, Michigan made it, which, which isn't, isn't a surprise um, in state Virginia, you know, might, might be a little bit, of a, of a surprise there. Cause you've got, you know, a guy like Villanova's there too. I think Villanova and Michigan are probably the one of the one and two right there in terms of where they stand. But, you know, I think it's, it's interesting because every time I've tried to talk to the kid, he's just doesn't either. He doesn't want to let people in on where he, you know, kind of thinks, or he's just that wide open, you know, I ask him, you know, Hey, you know, where, you know, where does this list kind of stand in terms of where teams stack up? And he doesn't really have a leader right now. He doesn't really have teams that, that stick out to him. Obviously he has a final eight, but you know, ones that, you know, he's not willing, he's not at least publicly willing to, you know, single out individual programs uh, on that list. So um, yeah, he's really, he's not in a rush, you know, he's kind of just waiting to see where things go kind of go with with visits and, and things like that and kind of determining you know what the next next steps for him is but yeah I mean this every time I've tried to at least get some sort of update I mean it's it's kind of it's been you know yeah I don't really have any 
you know, I don't really have any leaders. Don't really, nothing really sticks out right now. So it's hard to really gauge where things stand. But at the end of the day, you can't really ignore the relationship he's built with Martelli. Yeah, if I had to guess, I would think it's just my opinion. I think Villanova is probably the team to beat for for him. I, no, I agree. this guy wasn't on anyone's radar before Villanova jumped in with the offer, and then boom, uh, that's when big timers, Michigan included. Uh, really followed through. So hard to see how Villanova would would be trailing any of those schools right now. But here's where I think if you're one of the other schools, you got to take some some comfort. I mean, the longer this thing goes, and like you said, he seems to be in no rush to make a decision. I mean, who else could you be? What Who's going to move the meter for you that much more that you are really and you're really on their radar on the verge of getting an offer from them. I just, you know, I think it's about more about finding out about the other schools on his list and his list kind of kind of strikes you because you'll you'll see. All right. So Villanova, Arizona, Michigan, Cal, you know, Cal, not quite on the level of those other schools, but, but Cal. Then you go Northwestern, Colorado, Dartmouth and Davidson. And it's like it's like you're trying to like this dude is not he's not going to pick Dartmouth or Davidson over over these other schools probably I would be surprised if he chose Northwestern over these over these other schools is can you beat Villanova and the tough thing the tough thing for these other schools in trying to set themselves apart is how are you going to impress him any more than the school that offered him first the only way you can really do that is to get him on campus and that's that's what I think he's waiting on. You know, if there's one thing that that could move his recruitment forward, because he said he's not in any rush, he's still planning right now on making a fall decision. If visits happen, if visits happen, that's the that's the chance for Michigan and every other school on this list. If there are no visits, I think the guy's going to go to Villanova. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm I'm right there with you. Um, you know. Uh, I'm not anywhere near, you know, confident enough to say, okay, yeah, Villanova is the definitive leader. Here's my crystal ball. Here's my confidence score. I'm nowhere near that level, but common sense in just thinking about it, you know, I think, you know, Villanova is going to be the going to be the team to beat if, you know, barring anything unforeseen like opening up campuses and things like that. I think that's kind of a a brand new ball game, but I guess it just, it just depends on how deep this thing goes until things kind of open up again and, and, you know, allow players to unofficially official visit, things like that. Um, but yeah, right now I would, if, if, you know, if I had to, if I had to choose right now, this very second, you know, I, I would definitely, I would have to pick Villanova's the, as the place for, for Brizzy. But, you know, I think the fortunate thing with, with Michigan is that they can, you know, they've got other names on the board and they've got, you know, they've, they've got kids that they can hone in on that might be, you know, higher rated than, than Brizzy that they can kind of circle in on and go, okay, this is going to be our guy, but you know, we've got this guy in the back pocket and things like that. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't go as far as saying it's a devastating recruiting loss, but you know, there's, there's definitely the fortunate thing for Michigan is that they're in on so many guys that, you know, there's, there's so many ways that they can finish out this class strong. Um, you know, even losing out on a guy, uh, potentially losing out on a guy like Brizzy. 
Uh, as for Jay Nakins, the Farmington point guard, four-star guy that uh, Michigan offered back in the winter, uh, they have been on pretty hard ever since. But my sense and the sense of a lot of people has been that they have been uh, playing catch-up with Michigan State, who offered them earlier. Uh, this is a guy who the relationship goes back farther, obviously, for Tom Izzo. Uh, this is one that really just started building in the winter for Juwan Howard for obvious reasons. It was Saudi Washington that that was the relationship that's the, that was the seed that, that really has Michigan uh, in, this, uh, in this mix strong. But when you consider the ties, so, you know, Michigan State's been on them the longest. Pierre Brooks' AAU teammate is on the, on the squad. And then the guy, as you know, I just mentioned him as a Farmington guy. He actually is going to Ipsy Prep Academy, which is Imani Bates' team uh, who committed to Michigan State as well. You got a lot of Michigan State influence around him, Josh. Yeah, uh, that's why I... I have pretty much all of those reasons that you mentioned is why I have a crystal ball in for him. I just think, you know, it's not necessarily of, of Intel that I've received from, you know, from Jaden himself, but you know, it's just, I think mine is more of a, a common sense pick that you know, everything that you mentioned, you know, Pierre Brooks, just the, the relationship he has with Tom Izzo, just, just the withstanding, you know, the, the recruitment, just how long, Izzo's been recruiting him. It just makes the most sense that ultimately Michigan State's going to be the going to be the choice. And you know, I think from the beginning, you know, for me personally, it was always going to be between you know a Jay Nakins and, and Kobe Bufkin. I think Michigan was always going to get one or the other. I don't think it was going to be both. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just and that's just my opinion. You know that that you know that they would get one or the other, but. Yeah, it's just where things stand right now, just from from everything that you mentioned, just the, the relationships standpoint, the common sense standpoint, um, I don't expect, uh, you know, to, for me to take my crystal ball off Michigan State anytime soon. Well, a guy, if you want some better news, uh, and again, as far as the uh, the combo guard scenario is concerned, I, I really like where Michigan is with Jalen Worley. Uh, they are very much in it with Angelo Brizzy. To me, it's a matter of getting him on campus, and not all hope is lost with with Jay Nakins. But I think, uh, I think of the three, they are probably, um, you know, he's probably the guy. Even though he's the closest to home, he's probably the guy that, as far as Michigan's place with him, uh, they, they're probably in better shape with the with the other two. But a guy that I think they're really trending up with is a guy that we've talked about talked about before on this podcast. I know you spoke to him briefly, but I call him a point forward. Point forward out of Dallas St. Mark's Harrison Ingram. And I just, you know, the the more that I talk to people, uh, you know, in the game, the more that I talk to scouts, to some of our guys here on 24-7, this is a guy who Michigan is trending up with. They made up significant ground in the race for Harrison Ingram, Josh. And I, I think, you know, for a long time, and I think you even mentioned, you know, the the academic piece. I think the academic piece is why maybe you had the early crystal balls in for, for Stanford. But I think mm-hmm. he I think he feels like the the academics at all the schools he's considering right now are pretty good. So I don't see that as being the separator at this point. But I really feel like the his connection with Juwan Howard 
has really been on the rise here uh, in recent weeks. How those two are, are really, really clicking. I feel like, at least what I'm hearing, is they've been, he's been really, really responsive. Uh, and I think my gut tells me this is a guy that Michigan feels like is trending up with in a big way. Yeah, you know, I, I remember when I when I spoke to Harrison, man, probably a couple of weeks ago now, um, you know, he, he kind of mentioned right away that, you know, Juwan was really prioritizing him, uh, really being the, the lead guy uh, in this recruitment. You know, it's just really prioritizing and making him feel wanted, making him realize how he could fit and excel in the system. And, um, you know, just overall, just doing a good job of, like you said, making up ground. Um, I think, you know, obviously with, with Juwan, you know, he's going to come into recruitments late just for right now because of when he started the job, but, you know, he's done a really good job with, with, you know, with, with multiple guys, you know, we've mentioned it time and time again, how, you know, he's come in and really gained ground rather quickly just because of the relationships he's built. And, you know, Harrison Ingram is, is, is no different. Um, yeah, a guy that, that really values the, uh, you know, the power of education, um, you know, not the obviously not the be all end all in terms of, you know, the ultimate decision of where he's going to go, but that plays a major factor. Um, you know, I know, I know a lot, the HBCUs are also probably going to be involved here. You know, a lot of kids are, are, um, you know, encouraging others to look into the HBCU side of things. And I think that's going to be that that's not lip service coming from Harrison. I think he's going to give these colleges a, uh, a good look, but you know, I think Michigan, like you said, is, is put himself in a very, put themselves in a very good position for him, you know, and all that credit can, can go to Juwan just because of the fact that he's prioritizing really taking point on, on this recruitment and doing a really good job with it as well. Yeah. Now again, you and I can sit here and say that not all the schools, not all the schools on his list are created equally academically. Uh, that's again, not anything that we said to him, but you can look at his, at his 10 and, and kind of see some, some outliers there, but you know, Stanford, he is going to Stanford, Purdue, Carolina, Michigan, uh, for instance, those schools, I think he's going to really from an academic standpoint, really, really see them be high, but Michigan really been stressing his versatility. And that, that to me is the piece that from an on the court perspective, they do a really good job of of selling that. Hey, you're a guy that as a as a wing can initiate the offense. We're going to allow you the the chance to do that. And hey, maybe you know you're a guy that as a wing you can post up. Hey, we're going to give you the chance to do that. So you can run the team. You can play in the post. You can shoot threes. We are going to make sure that you we utilize all of your skills. And I, that's something that I think is is really resonating. Uh, with him and, you know, Michigan working hard on him and his, you know, and his teammate, uh, Colin Smith as well. So in the 2022 class, so they are, they are really trying to plant their flag down there, uh, Dallas St. Mark's. And they actually have an advocate in, in Colin. I think Colin has been, he's visited Michigan. I think it's three times. Yeah. Three times. And he's yeah. been up to Ann Arbor. So that's a guy that if he wants some, some perspective on what it's like and what these guys are like in, in person, uh, you know, to to really get a stronger feel from the program, look no further than one of his teammates to be able to do that. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because you know I, I asked I asked Colin, you know, what's you know what's your relationship like with with Harrison? You know, have have you talked 
you know, has he talked to you about Michigan and vice versa? And, and they really, and he really hasn't, you know, he, he's, he said that, you know, he has, they haven't really talked about it. You know, I'm assuming now that Colin has the offer that they'll probably at least discuss it. And if things continue to trend, you know, it might, might be more if on Harrison's end, but yeah, I think it's, you know, the, the, those two aren't really focused on, you know, the fact of, of, you know, selling Michigan to each other or talking about Michigan. You know, I, I expect obviously being high school teammates that you're going to be around each other all the time, that that conversation is probably going to come up in some fashion. Um, and, and I'm sure Juwan and, and the coaching staff are going to try to make that happen in some fashion as well. Uh, Cause that's just good recruiting tactics, but you know, yeah, I think it's interesting. The two haven't really talked about it, but you know, like I said, I don't think, I think it'll be discussed eventually, but it doesn't really look like at least right now that that's going to be, you know, a major factor in, in swaying one guy or the other, you know, in terms of, you know, talking about it and playing together and things like that. Yeah. This is another one where getting them on camp, you got to get them on a visit right. uh, to, to really capitalize on this momentum that they seem to have built virtually uh, because the other schools on his list, I mean, you know, Baylor's right there. He's, he's been there. Texas A&M is right there. He has, you know, team or friends that are, are committed uh, on the football side of things. So has some connections on that campus uh, for, for Michigan to really be able to, to turn this, this momentum, make this momentum more functional. You got to hope for, for visits to be allowed here coming up in the fall because they have, they have done great work. I mean, to, to see, to hear about him, the relationship that he says he's kind of fostered with Jawan Howard thus far, can only imagine how, how much more it's going to resonate if they can get face-to-face because it is going really well virtually so far. But can you get a guy, can you land a guy like that when the, you know some of the other suitors on the list he's more familiar with i have a hard time believing that to be the case so you know big key with harrison ingram is their ability to get him on campus josh that that to me is the linchpin to michigan's place in that recruiting but worthy of note that michigan has made up significant ground in this recruitment and the word is the word i get is that they're trending i i, I certainly from you know talking to you know, guys in the the recruiting circle, the three guys in the class, and they sort of get the 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 feel for where things are. The word is Michigan feels like it's trending up with with Harrison Ingram, so he's one to look out for and look out for more content on on the MichiganInsider.com. Josh, good to have you back, my man. Yeah, it's great to be back. You know, it's been a been a good week. You know, with Isaiah Livers coming back and things like that. It's been uh, mostly mostly positive. <laughs> right, maybe. If we're lucky, it will continue that way. Certainly, if we're lucky, you guys will continue to support this podcast in the way that you have so far with the oh, with the outstanding reviews that you've given us. Uh, those of you who haven't reviewed us yet, please do. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast. Be sure to rate and review this podcast. And then also be sure to tell your friends all about it. And if you want more in-depth intel and insight, on Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. Be sure to check us out over on the MichiganInsider.com where we really take it to another level. So hopefully we'll see you over there, and hopefully we'll see you next week here on the Michigan Recruiting Insider. Okay, picture this. 
It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.